Well, it certainly is a joy to be in one room with so many happy sisters. Yeah. Happy sisters. Yeah. I just about feel that if we would have almost even end now with having breakfast together, having a little fellowship, singing a little bit together, reading the Lord's Word together. Already we're encouraged and we could go home and be refreshed. (laughs) We should do this more often. You know, the Lord has ordained that there is a particular and special position for the sisters. There is a particular function for sisters that is revealed in the revelation of the of the scriptures. The enemy, Satan, he snuck in through the female. That's what we see in Genesis 3. Satan took advantage and found a way in through the female. And actually Paul reminds us of this in his letter to Timothy. The, it's interesting though that the Lord then ordained that the enemy would be defeated through a sister, through the female. Even in the same chapter where, where we see the fall, where we see the serpent coming in, in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, in that same chapter, the Lord, when the Lord comes into the garden and he f- speaks to Adam and Eve, right? He comes, where are you? And then they have some fellowship. And he speaks something to Adam. He speaks something to, well, he speaks something to Eve. He speaks something to Adam. And then he speaks even to the serpent. And he, he said, the seed of a woman the seed of a woman (laughs) will bruise your head. So the Lord has ordained that through the female life, through the female life, Satan will be defeated. And this is something in all the scriptures, when you see the proper standing at certain crucial times in the scriptures, the proper standing of the females that gives the Lord the ground to defeat the enemy and we know from first uh, first Corinthians chapter 10 that everything that we see in the Old Testament particularly related to the children of Israel everything is a type for the New Testament church so even all those what seem to be just stories. Actually, they show us principles. And, and this is actually a great principle. We, we do not spend enough time, and we thank the Lord that we could have such a day like this, separated to look into some of these matters, to highlight this crucial role of the sisters. You know, often God uses the things of nature to show us the spiritual uh, principles. And in the human family, in the human family, it's just like this. The, the father has a certain role, the mother has a certain role. But actually, you have to say, even though according to the word, the, the husband is supposed to be the head of the household, still, in practicality, in actuality, 
the mom, the mom, without the mom, you can't have the household. Actually, actually, even dad was brought forth by a woman. So, the Lord uses this kind of picture to show us something. And that is that life comes through the female. Life comes through the female. And actually, the first and main function of the females in the scripture is to preserve and maintain life. To preserve and maintain life. And this is so in the church life. If the sisters are healthy, the church life is healthy. But no matter the condition of the brothers, if the sisters in a local church are not in a healthy state, that church will have problems. Uh, I think when we gathered like this uh, the last time, we brought out this kind of example that, uh, actually this is an example in, in a message given by, by Brother Lee, I think is, is very apropos, that in the human body, the brothers are like the bones that provide the structure. Yeah. But the sisters are like the blood. Are like the blood. What's more important? <laughs> you could have a fracture. You could have a fracture, but you survive. Even you could have multiple fractures. You can survive. But if just some little disease in the blood, oh, the whole body is in danger. The whole body is, is, is in danger. So, sisters, this is, this is, this is you in, in the church life. This is so in the body in general, and this is so in your local church. In, in, in each of our local churches, there, there is such... A function. So, in the church life, you all have to be the moms. Even the young sisters should be the mothers in the church life. Those who are always giving life. Always preserving life. You know, we, we do have some examples in, 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 in the scripture to, to, to show this. And um, some of the best ones are actually in the book of Exodus. You know, in Exodus 1, uh, you can see, well, I'll mention Exodus 1 and 2. In Exodus 1 and 2, you have two females in chapter 1. You have two females in chapter 2 that play a critical role in the history of the nation of Israel. Actually, specifically, in the producing of Moses. In the producing of Moses. You know, we, we certainly uh, credit Moses as the Savior, right? As the leader, right? Who brought the children of Israel. God used him to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. But it's very interesting that the story does not begin with the calling of Moses, right? In Exodus 3 and 4. It doesn't, that's not how the story begins. The story begins in chapter 1. And where, where are God's people? God's people are in Egypt, in bondage, under this Pharaoh. Which again is a picture of the New Testament church. Where do we begin? Where do we begin? We begin in the world, slaves of sin, under Satan's rule. Yeah. And then... <clears throat> um, the, 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 the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh there, which is very interesting, sisters, very interesting. The Pharaoh is nervous. You know, in, in Exodus 1, the Pharaoh is not at peace. The Pharaoh is not at peace. Why is he not at peace? Why? Because God's people had too many babies. God's people grew. God's people, what? They took the charge of Genesis 1 to what? Be fruitful and multiply. 
And so there were, at the end of Genesis, there were a total of 70 souls, seven zero, that comprised God's people on the earth. That's what you see at the end of Genesis. But you just turn the page to Exodus 1. It doesn't give a number there, but Bible uh, students have figured because of the numbering of the army, right, in, in the book of Numbers, that probably God's people now numbers around 2 million. Around 2 million. So several hundred years have passed between end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus. So now you have God's people and the Pharaoh is nervous. Do you, do you realize that this is a picture? Did, did, you ever, did you ever realize Satan gets nervous? I mean, this is what the scripture is unveiling to us. You believe the Bible, right? And the Bible says that everything that happened in the Old Testament is a type. Yeah. And of course we talk about the Passover lamb, the Red Sea, the manna, all types, right? Yeah. We say even Pharaoh is a, is a picture of Satan. But the Pharaoh's nervous! Why? The increase. The increase. The ch- many children. Many children. Okay, then the Pharaoh devises a plot with two prongs. One is toward the older generation, one toward the younger generation. The older generation, the plot is to tire them out, waste their energy so that they don't have energy left to serve Jehovah. Toward the younger generation... Oh, this plot, so evil, to slay the males, the boys, and then allow the women, allow the females to grow, but then what will happen eventually? Of course, they will grow and marry, intermarry with the Egyptians, and you have a situation of mixture. Okay. This is all pre-Moses. This is all getting us ready to meet Moses later in this book. Okay. Who saves the day? These two midwives. Yeah. From what, at least from what I know, none of us ever name our daughters after the two midwives. These are not two popular names. Yeah. Shifra and Pua. Shifra and Pua. And these two women... These two women, they rose up in a certain way. Now, uh, uh, actually, when I read the chapter, there are things I do not understand. And because the, the Pharaoh comes to them, what did you do? I gave you this order. And they give you know, some reason. Oh, the Hebrew women are lively. And, uh, and anyway, before we're able to do anything, and oh, I think this was just the wisdom of these two women. The Lord just, they were the right ones at the right time. And do you know what happened? The Pharaoh, the Pharaoh had to change his strategy. And so now instead of, instead of killing the boys because he saw, I can't, I have no way here. Then now he changed the edict to what? Throw the boys into the river, right? And, and the name Moses, I think we all know this, the name Moses it means in Hebrew, drawn, drawn from, like taken from the water. He was drawn from the water. His name, that's what Moses, Moses means. So do you see, there's another type here, sisters. And that is that the females functioning in the proper way cause Pharaoh caused Satan to have to change his way. When the sisters say, no, <clears throat> Satan has no way to do anything. They have to, he, has to, he has to change. There, there is a picture here, sisters. The, these two sisters, and the Lord blessed them for their, for their faithfulness. 
The Lord blessed them. But don't you think this was at a risk? Don't you think this was at a risk? They risked something to maintain life. They risked something to preserve life. Then in chapter 2, then in chapter 2, now Moses' family, you know, he's born. It says in Hebrews 11 that for three months, by faith, Moses was hidden by his parents. Oh, you tell me, you tell me, is it easy to hide a baby for three months? How? That's a miracle. But it requires also some wisdom. Surely it's motivated by love for their child. But don't you believe uh, Moses' mother, whose name is Jochebed, yeah, and, and I have to give credit to the father because in, in, Hebrews, in Hebrews, it does say hidden by his parents. Yeah, but, but in Exodus 2, you don't see the father. His name is Amram. You don't see him. He's not mentioned at all. Yeah, he's not mentioned at all. And it's often like this. In the family, father's in the back. Father's in the back. And this shows a kind of principle for the family for the life to be preserved, the majority of the responsibility is on the moms. In the church life, on the sisters. And at, at, the, at, at most, it's a four to one ratio. Four to one ratio. You have four sisters and then Amram in the background. Preserving Moses. Now eventually, of course, Moses was... The Savior. But remember where he came from. And you, then we have that marvelous story where they, uh, they put Moses into the river and, and, and who's there? Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter. Another female. Another female used by God. Yeah. And when they find, she finds the female, I mean, she finds the baby... She realizes, oh, this is a Hebrew boy, and, and, and she knows what's going on. She knows what, what happened here. And then all of a sudden, it seems like out of the weeds there, Miriam comes. Madam, well, it doesn't tell us what it says, but I think we'll use a little sanctified imagination for a moment. Madam, would you like me to find a, 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 a Hebrew woman to to nurse the child for you. It seems like she said something like, that's a good idea. <laughs> and so, here, and even, I will, I'll pay you for that. So then she comes home with the, with the baby. Mommy, here's... Yeah. And they... And in that time, they have more time to infuse him. To infuse him. So you have two sisters without children of their own at first. Without children of their own. Two sisters caring for the, for the children of God's people. So, so this, this shows, this is not just for the moms. Sisters, all of us, all of us here. Sisters, you have a role. You may say, but I'm very young. Well, well, then in chapter 2, you have a mother and a daughter. You have a big sister. Oh, I tell you, all... All, all the young people, all the young people need moms and big sisters. Moms and big sisters. They listen, they listen to you more even than their own mothers sometimes. You know this. Do you remember this growing up? Do you remember who you used to listen to? Do you remember that at times you would listen to anybody but your own mother and father? <laughs> Did this happen to many of you? But if there's another sister in the church that the children can open up to, what a protection that is. What a safeguard that is. And, and actually, as parents, we can take care of each other's children. We're saying the same thing. But if I say it to your child, oh, they listen. I say it to my child, they don't listen. But then they go to you and you say the exact same thing. They say, very wise. That's the way it works. 
That's our history. But we need to be there for them. We need to be there for them. Another one, another one in the scripture who you could see as a preserver of life is Esther. Actually, the entire book of Esther is a beautiful picture. She was raised up for this, for this, to preserve God's people. And you know her attitude? I think you know, you know the story. We teach this. We, this is to our children. When, when her uncle tells her, you must go to the king. You must go. He says, but it's not the time. The king's supposed to call me. And she says, well, you have to decide. Eventually she says, I'm going to go before the king. Even he hasn't called me. I'm going to go before the king. And she says this in chapter 4. Esther 4, I think it's 16. If I perish, I perish. A sister. If I perish, I perish. Oh, how we need the real Esthers in the church life. At a risk. Just like the midwives. At a risk. In Romans, I, I, I forget, did we, we read only uh, 1 and 2, right? Romans 6, 16, uh, 1 and 2. Yeah, no, I want to, I, I actually want to show you verses 3 and 4. Romans 6, 16, sorry, Romans 16, verses 3 and 4. This, uh, we didn't, we didn't, we don't, it's okay, we don't have it there. This is about Priscilla. Or Prisca. You know, in the, in the New Testament, we have this couple. This couple. Oh, it's there? Do you have it? It's here. In Chinese. It's coming there. Is it coming? There we go. Let's read 3 and 4. mentioned this before you know in Romans 16 the reason we read some verses from this chapter Romans 16 is a very uh, 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 it's, a, it's a chapter that's very crucial related to the matter of the church life and Paul when, when at, the, at, the, at the end of this epistle which shows us the structure of the Christian life and the church life culminating in the practical church life, then he gives these greetings, which apparently it's just a greeting, but of course, of course, all scripture is God-breathed. And we can see that nothing in the scripture is wasted. Everything is meaningful. And in this chapter, it's very interesting how many times, how many times, Paul addresses sisters. Actually, from the beginning... The first one commended is Phoebe. Phoebe. And I believe there are about six sisters that are mentioned here in, 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 in this chapter. And, but the second one is Prisca. Actually, when I was growing up and reading the Bible, I couldn't tell. Who's the female? Who's the male? I, had, I, you know, I, I didn't know that Prisca was a derivative of, or short of the, the name Priscilla. And so you read in one place, and sometimes it says Priscilla and Aquila, Prisca and Aquila, and other times it says Aquila and Prisca. I was confused when I was a teenager. Then, then we find out, oh, Prisca. Prisca is the female name, Priscilla. And here, greet Pr Priscilla and Aquila. And it, it is different for such a greeting to be in the scripture that the female would be mentioned first. And even this, even this, don't think it's a small thing. Don't, that, that, in one place, Luke would write Aquila and Priscilla, but here, I mean when he wrote Acts, but here, Paul would write Prisca and Aquila. Even the order is significant. That, and this shows, this shows, because this chapter highlights the practical church life, that for the going on of the practical church life, actually the sisters take the, a primary role. 
the sisters take a primary role. You cannot have the practical church life without the support of the proper sisters. But I want to highlight this particular quality about Priscilla. It says, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. This Priscilla and her husband Aquila were Paul's co-workers. And it says, who risk their own necks for my life. There is this line in the scriptures of the females who at the risk of their lives preserved life for the body, for the body of Christ. With the midwives, with Moses' mother and daughter, with Esther, with Priscilla, you can see this kind of line. Oh, how we need the Esthers and the Priscillas for the church life to, 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 to go on. Sisters, as I mentioned, the main function of the, of the sisters is it's not cooking for the love feast. It's not doing the cleaning of the hall. The main function of the sisters is to preserve life in the, in the church life, in the body of Christ. You know, again, the, the, the Lord uses often the pictures in nature. And, and we know life is brought forth through the female life. Life is brought forth. And that really is so in the church life. Actually, you could say that, that the function of the sisters is to produce all the matters in the church life. To bring forth all the matters in the church life. You know, the brothers, the brothers, even the leading ones, may have an idea, may have a burden. And when they mention the burden, anything, anything, whether it's to have something for the children, or a gospel event, or even a new meeting hall, or a spreading, okay, that's a good idea, and a good burden. But eventually, if the sisters in the church do not take up this burden, that burden cannot be brought forth. The Lord's move depends on the sisters. I, I, want, to, I want to read something to you from uh, a message uh, from the collected works of Witness Lee, uh, from Brother Lee, given in 1968. I, I, I hope you could go there and, and find it. This, this, uh, let's see, this message is entitled uh, Fellowship Concerning the Sisters' Function in the Church Life. 1968 and, and Volume 1. And I, I'd, like to, I'd like to read a couple of paragraphs to you here. It says, Based on my experience, I have learned that in order to have a proper church life, the sisters must bear a particular responsibility and carry out a particular function. The brothers cannot replace the sisters' function. In a family, the husband cannot conceive and give birth to anything. Only the wife can bear a child. This is an illustration of the situation in the church life. In order to have a proper family life, the mother is more important than the father. The principle is the same regarding the church life. In this sense, we may say that the sisters are more important than the brothers in the church life. No matter what the church endeavors to work out, and now we come to the point that I was trying to make. If the sisters do not bear the responsibility, it is difficult to bring forth anything. The brothers may initiate something and may make many decisions, but whether or not anything can be conceived and worked out depends more on the sisters. If the sisters are silent and dormant in relation to anything in the church life, that thing will not have a good outcome. In the matter of gospel outreach, it seems that the responsibility should be mainly on the brother's side. But if the sisters do not pick up this responsibility, it is difficult for the church to bring forth or give birth to the outreach of the gospel. In order to give birth to the outreach of the gospel, the sisters must bear the responsibility. Even with the ministry of the word. Take note of this, please. Although it is the brothers who minister, 
If the sisters do not pick up the burden and bear the responsibility to pray for the ministry, it is very difficult to give proper birth to the ministry. However, if the sisters bear the responsibility in the spirit to stand with the ministering one and pray against any kind of attack from the enemy, this will give a rich birth to the ministry. Therefore, all the things of life related to the local church must be, quote-unquote, conceived and brought forth by the sisters. Sisters, I can tell you, I, this last point here, I can bear witness to this and, and even uh, appreciate very much. Uh, there, there, are, there are groups of sisters who, you know, in, our, in, in some of us, just under the Lord's arrangement, uh, our function, in, in our function, we travel to certain places here and there to minister. And I tell you, they, they ask us our schedule. They like to know. And they, they pray for our travel. Oh, oh, I mean, in so many details. They pray for our health. They pray for the families. They pray for the burden. They pray for the place where we're going to. And, oh, I tell you, if not for that, we could not stand. We could not continue. And how much I appreciate. Actually, I can tell you, I have two groups of sisters who always ask. And many of the co-working brothers, they, behind them, there are groups of sisters who are praying in detail for the ministry of the Word. Without that, we have no covering. We have no covering. How we covet, how we covet the prayer of the sisters in this function. Do you realize that even in the ministry, you have a crucial role? Without your involvement, there will be lacks, both in the local church and in the work of the, of the ministry. Sisters, I hope you really would, would take this to heart. Now, um, I'd like to quickly give maybe four principles or four, four, four points. How can uh, the sisters, or uh, well, on one hand, how can a sister, but we always hope that there will be groups of sisters serving together in every local church. How can the sisters carry out this responsibility to bring forth the things in, in the church life? Okay, just four, four, four points. The first one is actually love. And that is, you can see, especially in the New Testament, it is the sisters who take the lead to pour themselves out on the Lord. To love the Lord. To love the Lord even with, with their being, and with their possessions. There's many that you could see. Of course, of course, there's a number of Marys in the New Testament that show us this. Right? There's Mary, the mother of Jesus. There's Mary Magdalene. There's actually another Mary, the, Mar the wife of Clopas, it tells us in John 19, who is there at the, at the cross. You know, it's very interesting at, at the cross when the Lord was being crucified. Again, even there, you see, I think it's four sisters, one brother. Brothers were a little chicken. Because their, their lives were threatened. But weren't these sisters' lives maybe threatened as well? Their association with this man? But they were their sisters. The ones who went to the tomb. Sisters. Brothers went later. Why? Because the sisters told them if not they were just back that night you know that famous story who's the one who pours the ointment sister sisters uh, I believe we have this reality in many of the local churches the sisters taking the lead to love the Lord sisters how Oh, that our love for the Lord could be renewed every day. Fresh every day. We'll, we'll talk more about this in the, in, the, in the next session. The second point. 
which follows. We've spoken a little bit about this. To be such a person who brings forth life requires sacrifice. And no one sacrifices more than a mother. You know, it was ordained that children are childbearing. Children are produced through pain. That's, that's a portion of the female life. Life produced through pain. And that's a picture. That's a picture. The pain, those labor pains, they're not completed when the child is born. Actually, many of you who are mothers of teenagers or older, you know those laboring pains continue because you're producing someone. You're producing a proper person. And then as a Christian mother, your goal is to produce a proper vessel for the Lord. And Paul talks about this, right? Paul in, in, in Galatians 4. He's, he was still travailing in birth. Sisters, that's part, all of our function, to travail in birth for others. Especially for the young ones. Especially for the new ones. But, but I would say, even for the whole church. Even, even for every burden. Oh, that the sisters would put themselves aside. That the sisters would labor, that the sisters would travail to bring forth every burden that's necessary in, in the church life. You know, this, this requires some amount of brokenness. This requires the cross. This requires sacrifice. This requires putting oneself aside but there is no sacrificial love like the love of a mother. Mothers live for others. Mothers eat for others. Mothers do or do not do for others. Things that you enjoy eating, taking in, you don't even think about it. Now... Baby's not born yet. You're just pregnant. Oh, oh, no, I can't. I can't. I can't. I thank God that I'm a male. I, I don't... That was not, that's not my portion. That's not my portion. Oh, imagine going through a pregnancy and having to give up coffee. Moms, moms give up things, things that they love, things that are second nature because of life. To produce, preserve life. And, and sisters, in the divine life, in the divine life, is the sacrificing life. Is the sacrificing life. We're not talking here in the church life merely about maternal instinct. That's a picture. That's a picture. Because Paul said, Paul said, even the brothers must be the nursing mothers. And in that spiritual sense, that is my portion. That is, should be all of our portion. That we would continue to travail. Continue to produce something of life for the young ones. For the church life. There is, in the divine life, an innate ability to submit. A life of submission is in the divine life. The Lord all the time was submitting to the will of the Father. Even at the end. Father, remove this cup from me, but not as I will. That life is within all of us. 
You know, sisters, there are two greatly damaged, two things that have the potential for great damage in the church life, especially among the sisters. These two things. One is our not being like-minded. Not being able to, as it says in Philippians, think the same thing or think the one thing. That is to have our opinion about things. You know, actually, you'll see in the fourth point, I'm going to talk about something very positive, that the sisters, the sisters are more fine than the brothers. In general, the females are much more fine, much more observant. And that can be both good and bad. Because you notice things, oh, it's easy to criticize. Easy to criticize. So, the next point, the next point to be one who maintains and produces life is that we need to, to always pray. But, sisters, sometimes you are the first responders of many situations. Because you notice first. The brothers, some of the husbands are there and what? Everything's fine. <laughs> it's all good. The sisters see, oh, the detail. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? What's your reaction to that? Is it to murmur? You know, it's very interesting. Murmuring and reasoning. You know this, you know, let all things be done without, without murmurings and reasonings. You know what book, right? Philippians. Philippians 2. You know, in Philippians 2, at the beginning, Paul um, uh, pleads with the Philippians. Oh, if there's any fellowship of spirit, if there's any tender-heartedness, please think the same thing think the one thing and it seems like he's speaking generally to everybody think the one thing How, we all have the mind of Christ have the mind of Christ and then, and then in, later in Philippians 2 it tells us how the Lord emptied himself right? he lowered himself and took the way of the cross and then God highly exalted him then it says then it says God is operating in you, both the willing and the working, for His good pleasure. Which means what? He's working in you. He's operating in you to live the same life. To live the same kind of life. To have the mind of Christ. And then it says, do all things without murmuring and reasoning. Then he goes on, but, it's, but he's about to finish the letter. You know, remember, this is a letter. And somehow, it seemed that Paul felt, this is not enough. I have to say something about the two, I have to name the sisters. You know, there's two sisters who are his fellow workers, just like Priscilla. That they can't think the same thing. So, it, it seems to me, I, I, I can't say for sure, but it seemed to me, Paul was hoping that what he shared in chapter 2 would be enough. And as he's writing, he just had this feeling, this anointing. Mm, I, better, I better be more specific. And it's, you know, it's very possible this letter was read to all the saints. Read to all the saints. <coughs> Maybe by the jailer brother. You know the brother who, yeah. in right. Acts 16, he was the one who was the jailer. To them, they were in the stocks, you know, in prison, and and most, and then he got saved in his whole household. It's very possible he became the leading one in that church. And then there's this other, actually, before this household, Lydia is saved, right? Lydia, and and they're her household. So you have these two households. But this is a little bit later. Paul's writing to them, and maybe the brothers reading this letter. Oh, imagine! 
Imagine if you're reading, oh, and, and he's saying, oh, uh, think the same thing, and everything, everybody's, amen. So, it's so, very good. And then comes to a certain point, and, and he says, oh, and I exhort Pythia, and I exhort Mariella, please think the same thing. <laughs> I'm just reading the letter. Well, how would you feel? And then, and then it says, Brother Dennis, actually it says to Clement, my yoke fellow, please help the sisters to think the same thing. So even he realizes, even I name them, it's not going to work. I have to ask a brother to come in. Why? Why? Actually, these two dear sisters were sacrificed for all of us to learn a lesson. What is the lesson? Oh, if the serving sisters in the church are not one, it affects the whole church. It affects the whole church. Sisters think the same thing. Not thinking the same thing will bring problems. The second damage is what? The second damage is gossip. And Timothy, uh, Paul talks about this in 1 Timothy 5. Not to be busybodies. You're so busy with other people's business. It's better in the church life. It's better to say, I don't know. I don't know. I know, I know. With the brothers, you know, in the brothers' meetings, when we have the district brothers' meetings or the elders' meetings, the serving brothers' meetings, we have this kind of a code. We just have, brothers, this is confidential. We don't say anything outside this meeting. We talk things about the church and so on, and that's just all the brothers carry this kind of principle of confidentiality. We must keep that to protect the saints. Sometimes the sisters would say, I'm the last one to know. I mean, the wives... So how come I'm always the last one to know? Sisters, you have to realize it is a blessing to be the last one to know. <laughs> Blessed are you if you are the last one to know. It's a blessing if you can say, I don't know. A bigger blessing to say, and I don't mind. I don't know, and I don't mind. Of course, of course, if someone asks you something, you, 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 if you know, then you can't say, I don't know. So it's better just not to know. <laughs> Try not to know. And when things come to you, just pray. Maintain sacrifice. Maintain submission. Because... <clears throat> If the sisters see something and don't have the reflex to pray, it's easy to talk or to criticize the brothers. The brothers actually need your covering. Let me me give you the last point. I'll explain this, but I want to say it like this. The sisters function is to be like the salt to season the brothers. (laughs) To season the brothers' fellowship. Oh, I tell you, even just this conference, this one day, we have an idea. Oh, let's call the sisters together. Oh, if you leave it to the brothers, this day is a big mess. (laughs) Disaster. Then, then, Sisters come. Well, brothers, um, did you think about this? Oh, 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 that's good. That's good. Yeah. Oh, I tell you, if the, we didn't have sisters all the time, say, brothers, um, did, you, did you do this? Did you think about this? Oh, I tell you, I think we'd be facing the wrong direction. There'd be no food. The food would be outside. There, there'd be a, a lot of things. Of course, we haven't gone to the break yet. Let's see how that works. But, but many things, many things. Even in the carrying out the burden for the children and the young people. Even we have a, a retreat or conference 
We have a gospel outing. Oh, I tell you, the fineness of the sisters to say, well, where are you going in the gospel? Have you thought about the safety matter? Oh, the sister is very sensitive. Have you thought about the safety? How will you, how will you transport all those young people to a certain location? Oh, the brothers are, oh yeah. Never, didn't think of that. Oh, I tell you, sisters, you make the church life flavorful. Without you, without you, I think the church life would be very raw. Very raw. And with not much flavor. Not so pleasing and appealing. That's your function. But sisters, but sisters, you have to have the proper spirit. You can't say, Peter, Dennis, what are you guys thinking? Don't come like this. Then actually, you lose your standing. You lose your standing. This is not first. It starts here. It passes through sacrifice. It's processed through prayer. Then we trust what you have to say. Then what you say will not be something according to your disposition. It will be something processed through death and resurrection. Because you're keener. That's wonderful. And that is something natural. That is something God-given. But I tell you, sisters, if it's not processed through death and resurrection, no matter how sharp you are, it damages the body of Christ. So, we need this process. Then, then, you really will be the preservers of life. And the church can bring forth more Christ. Bring forth more church. Bring forth more spreading of the Lord's move. And wherever it goes it will be very flavorful, very tasty. Amen. Maybe that's enough for our first session. We're going to meet till 10.30. How about, how about we have some prayer, and then we'll set up the microphones for any overflow that you may have. Okay? How about, again, we have some prayer in groups of two or three, with one or two around us, and then please feel free to come and say something to confirm the word. Amen.